Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. December the 30th, 2018, the last Sunday of this year, from Coolidge, Arizona. And it's cool down here today. We are, first of all, we have two segments today. This first segment is uh, to complete our conditions of our communication with God from Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Well, actually, 4, uh, four, four through 6. And we're going, you have, uh, last week we sent you um, a diagram. You should all have that diagram and be following it. Uh, it's just a, a sentence diagram from the Greek, <clears throat> which clarifies things. So let's begin with that quickly, but the second segment will be in our text in, in Acts 15. We're not going to come back to this again, probably for now, because this verse, you see, I don't like skipping around in Bible studies. Now, we all do that. I do that. But you see, there is no cradle the same in any text. We're looking at a cradle now from which emerges what we're going to be talking about. There is no other cradle like this anywhere in the New Testament. Cradles are not repeated. The conditions of behind the statements are not repeated in the text. So we have to remember that once something is said, that's the only time in the New Testament it is said with the same cradle behind it. Mm. Is that clear? Yeah, mm-hmm. it is. Well, we, we, that's why I don't like cross-referencing because there is no cross, and I do it, but there is no cross-reference that is equal to the text where you are if you look at the cradle. If you're just looking at words, why anybody can do that with the, with the concordance. And that doesn't prove anything. So we're, we're here uh, in Philippians chapter 4, primarily in verse 6 today, but just a little bit of review quickly. In verse 5, uh, he, he tells us uh, something that is to be known to all of men. Compare that with the last part of verse 6, where he says, let this, what he's talking about there, be known unto God. See the difference? Here, there is something to be known unto all men, and that is your, your uh, appropriate conduct. Next, when he says at hand, in verse 5, that might encourage radical conduct. So what he, what has he just said? He said, now let your moderate conduct, let your appropriate conduct be known unto all men because 
what I'm going to say next is going to possibly produce very radical conduct. You see that why that this cradle is so important to the understanding of the of the next phrase that we're in four, uh, verse uh, six. So he says, you know, when I tell you that the Lord is at hand, that that's going to stir up an alarm. Panic sets in. Radical conduct. All kinds of conspiratorial things emerging out of the sand. So then he jumps right in, and we've already discussed those things, but, but keep that in mind. You can see why you can't look at a verse apart from the cradle that that verse emerges from. So here we have all of this going on in this immediate context in verses 4 and 5. And then he says, in spite of the tendency toward abnormal circumstances, abnormal situations, alarm, radical conduct, panic, you folks, don't be distracted. Don't surround yourself with distraction, with the cares of life. Be careful with nothing, for nothing. Now, see, it doesn't mean anything until you get it into that context. You'd, you'd say, well, you know, he, he's just saying you shouldn't care about your yard or your house or anything. No, it's, it's, the context is what determines what he's talking about. Yeah. You know, and there's a, well, I, I can illustrate it, but Revelation says um, that um, there's four Greek, four specific Greek words that are translated all. They never mean all. They, they always are limited to something. So in Revelation, the word, I think, is um, ponta, I think. But whatever, whatever is there, what it means is everything related to the subject at hand he's talking about. So it doesn't exceed itself. God is not new, but he says all things are new. I make all things new. Well, there's a lot of things that aren't made new, and new doesn't mean necessarily make, make it different. You know, if I were to go to out, go out and buy a new car, it's no different than the car I got. It's got how many wheels? Four. It's got a transmission. It's got an engine. Um, you know, I hope. And all those things are pretty much the same. But he says all things new. You have to look at a word in its immediate context and define it from that context. Folks, that's critical in Bible study, and it makes it simple. It's very restrictive. All right. David, that's a great point. Be because of those in the world who feel when they read the word that God is speaking to them. Yeah. And you, you, you talk with people about different passages and the things going on. In this situation, in this verse, the specificity of it is takes it so far away from the realm of He's talking to, God's talking to me, instructing me through these words, 
what you you can be instructed by reading them to understand what was going on, but applying yourself keeps you from understanding. That's right. It keeps you out of the meaning of the text. Which and, is what you just spent the last ten minutes talking about. Yep. How can we really? Uh, yeah. But if you're not interested in what's coming up for these people, if you don't believe in that either, then what's the first part going to matter? And it doesn't make any difference. And, but, and it's not going to make any sense. No. In the big picture, no sense at all. Well, I think I, those are great comments. Let's go right into the chart then. Uh, hopefully you all have it. You've had two weeks to get it. Uh, it was sent to you, and... Uh, we have uh, the first thing that you do when you diagram, you make a horizontal line. You all know that, don't you? Yes. Everybody knows that the first thing you do when you diagram any Greek sentence, whether it's all contained within a verse or not is immaterial, you always draw a horizontal line. And then you draw a vertical line that goes through the horizontal line to separate the subject from the predicate. Everything to the right of that line is a predicate. Everything to the left is a part of the nominative or the subject. That's pretty simple. Now, you'll see on that line that if you go over, uh, you have the predicate, and uh, that in this case is a verb. You have the request, and then the rest of the line, everything in there it pertains, uh, is, is a, uh, related to a predicate some way. So the request is the nominative. That's the, that's the subject of the sentence. And the verb, um, what's that? Let it be made known. Let it be made known. That's the verb. And um, now the next, after, and that vertical line then comes down to the horizontal line, not through it, but to it. So, and Greg has done that very well. Now, normally then, in the next slot is where we have our direct object. That's called the accusative in the Greek, direct object in English. And then we have another slanted line that goes from the horizontal line and goes back to the subject or the verb. That's called the dative or the indirect object. Well, you can see that, is there, a, is there a, an object, a direct object? Is there a, anything in the accusative in this? No, that's why it's got none. Is there anything in the indirect object? No. no. Everything falls under the subject or the verb. Because, um, well, there's just no, that's all. The, 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 the sentence then would read how, folks? Read back to me what the, all, everything on the main line has to constitute a full, question, a full sentence. What is the sentence on the horizontal top line? The request of you all, let it be known. Let it be known. That's right. That's all. That's all there is. Request, let it be known. Now, that should be a period. That's, Don't, that's my kind of sentence. That is your kind of that's sentence. Short. Yeah, it's short. And then, of course, the request with an article, 
would suggest that he's talking about some specific request that he's not dealing with yet, and then uh, he's requesting to those whom he's addressing, you all. That's plural. That's why I put you all down there for that. So all of your requests, let them, and it should be let them be known, because request is plural, and it should be them, but I had to keep it to the the way it's translated. So let all of your requests, let them be known, period. And it has to be that way, otherwise we're talking about one request, then what is that? And we wouldn't know. That's right. Unless it's specified. So he is saying here that right immediately after he's got this cradle now emerging emerging out of that with that panic situation of the Lord is at hand, now stay cool. Don't be careful about things. Don't get over anxious. You know, keep your keep your brain together. Yeah. Now, let now you're 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 gonna panic. You're gonna panic. But let your request let your request be known. In that coming out of that cradle, let your request be known. Now look at the qualifiers. We have three qualifiers. They are known as prepositions. Unto, in, and with. You see those? Under, let it be known. These are the qualifiers. Now, he's going to qualify. That's why I've got the conditions of our communication with God. That's the theme of the diagram. Now we get into what those conditions are. That is to be known, you're going to make your request known to whom? God. To God. It's, it's toward God. It's um, pros, and it's in the, it's, uh, the pro, the, the, uh, everything below the main line is in the genitive because it's below the line. But the preposition is in the accusative case, even though it's genitive because it's below the main line. All prepositions fall into the genitive because they belong to something else in the in the uh, diagram. So, <clears throat> unto unto God or toward God, let it be known toward God. So, what's the limitation there? Uh, that's who it's headed for. That's who it's for. That's who it's, that's, okay, you're it's limited. Okay, so you see, when it's toward God, then it takes it out of the immediate cradle. Unless you focus, your, you've got all kinds of things that have put you into a panic mood, but now you've, you're going to make your request made known to whom? To God. He's outside of that cradle. See, he's outside. So that's why you have to see all of this thing in context to the, the um, diagram. And he's talking about uh, unto the God, and that's obvious. Now, the second condition there is in everything. That let your request be known in everything, and then he tells us how. And he gives us, and probably some of you are going to argue with me with how I broke this down, but it doesn't make any difference because it ends up with the same thing. In everything means everything. I mean, just 
whatever, whatever comes in to become a distraction for you because the Lord is at hand and you're to be careful about nothing, but if you get something that just seems so, you, you just got to deal with it somehow, you let your requests identify them. They have to be the request, some specific request that meets a specific need that is coming out of the conditions of the cradle. See that? He's limiting it when he puts an article there. He doesn't say just let requests be known. The requests that come out of the cradle, knowing that the Lord is at hand, and even though you're to be careful for nothing, let these requests. So, boy, that puts a whole new light on it. Let them be known toward God in everything. Now, make sure it's with thanksgiving. That's, that's the control factor. Don't, don't go into the panic. Don't go into the alarm. Keep yourself at ease. Let your requests that are coming out of the conditions of the cradle, let them be known unto God. But in everything, in everything, you keep it in a state of thanksgiving. Now, there are two words here that we have in the bottom. So we have three conditions. We have it's toward the God, it's in everything, and in everything with thanksgiving. So that's comprehensive in everything. It's comprehensive to those things that are conditioned to the cradle, in all of that, keep yourself in a spirit of thanksgiving. And how do we do that? We have to remain in a state of commitment. That's what the word prayer means here. It is a noun. I don't want to ever hear anybody talking about a prayer as an action, unless it's a verb. But you see, that's why you can't go from verse to verse, because most of the time, it's a noun. And when it's a verb, then we have to look at why. What's the conditions? Why is there that specific action? And there aren't many times when it is a verb. Acts 2.42, and they continued fast in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayer noun. That means stay in a state. He's talking there about being steadfast. So when he says prayer, he's talking about a state of commitment. So these people who are in a very volatile situation just before 70 A.D., just before that, just not many years away, 20 years maybe, maybe 25, just 25 years down the line, most of these people would see this happen. He says, the Lord is at hand. Now, you keep yourself appropriate. You keep your conduct appropriate to that. Let your appropriate conduct be made known to all of men. Don't, don't show that you have any care for anything, even though we've just told you something that's going to change everything in the world. Stay calm. Stay put. 
the word prayer is used here to these people that in their praying in everything with thanksgiving keep yourself in a state of commitment by the way that word thanksgiving is the word eucharist but that's another issue <clears throat> now so now he says there's one word we haven't discussed and what is that word supplication so in everything with thanksgiving stay in a state of commitment you're staying put no matter how many of your family die you're committed that's why he uses the word prayer it's a state of commitment then secondly the word supplication is telling you a state of need it is a noun as well he's talking there about a state of need in order for you to not feel victimized by what's going on in the world around you you have to be in a state of need but what what is the overriding in thanksgiving even in your state of need don't you you, you supplication means that you are in a perpetual state of need but keep yourself because of the thanksgiving that is associated with it keep yourself from getting the feeling of having been victimized do we have a victimized people today? Oh, yeah. That's self-imposed. Their advocation. That's right. Yeah. So, first of all, he says, don't surround yourself with, with abstractions or distractions. But when, and, and that's the cradle, but when those distractions come because of the immensity of the historic action that's going to take place and bring about the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple, you must keep yourself, you must keep your requests, limit them to the things that relate to the issue at hand, make them be known to God in everything with thanksgiving, staying in a state of commitment and staying in, in your state of need, accepting it, but the overall umbrella there is with thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. That's the umbrella, which keeps everything in balance. So under the umbrella of thanksgiving, you are in a state of commitment. You're going to stay put, even though you are in a continual state of need. Any questions? Good. We'll move on. Let's go to Acts 15. If you have any questions, why? Or if I've, I, I, I think in the English text it's by prayer instead of the prayer. Oh, I don't think by is in there. No, no it's, in, it's in the text. No, it's it's the the it's prayer. The, yeah. See that's. But that's, it changes everything in the English language. Yeah. Say by there. David, what turns it into a? Can word. you give a quick example of the kind of su supplication uh, that he's talking about in that verse? Um, 
because you say that that's a need. prayer is a prayer is a commitment supplication is a need it's the it's being in the he's talking about it as a noun here okay such as, such as prayer prayer and supplications are both nouns so they're not actions okay there's a state of being uh, okay see all right now it's a state right. of being so supplication is a state of being what and be and because it's the word supplication it means a um, a, a, a state of need you know there are real needs that are come up but temper that with thanksgiving and within the realm of focus I mean without distraction without distraction which is what we're still jumping from here without distraction still keep stay on point stay yeah. on the matter at hand this is a need now if we came up against a similar situation today yeah. then these would be very applicable for us but you see, they we. Be anyway. example. I mean, they might be anyway without even our knowledge. But sure, uh, uh, and it might be very individual. P- people go through crises. Sure. But they need to have something to go through crises. And here, he is saying, know know the things about your crises that make fit it into this context. You know, mm-hmm. you have to identify what your crisis is, what it really is, so that you can um, make specific requests regarding it, do so in this manner. Do so with um, thanksgiving and do so uh, with a state of commitment that you're not going to allow your situation to alter how you are or how you uh, want to be. You're going to stay put. So this is a great passage of establishing stability in a time of tremendous upheaval. Yeah, and, and right, that that can't be forgotten or no. It's a formula to to uh, live at peace, as the last the verse that follows it says. It's the peace of God. Well, and that's right. And you know we could we could make a whole study out of that oh, context, yeah. but I was relating. I think that Greg brought this verse up to my attention what two or three months ago, and I'm just now getting to addressing it. Um, but I wanted to give the background because without the background, without the you know, and then that background we call what the cradle, because all of this is emerging out of that cradle, that cradle of of conditions being stated and identified here and we have to look at it from I think from that perspective all right let's go to Acts chapter 15 <clears throat> folks yeah. that you won't get that firmly established in your mind by a 10-minute glance you got to think about it got to ponder it and when you do so you may have some additional questions but in chapter 15 of Acts in verse 31 uh, we were there last week, but we just took a couple of verses to pick up. Uh, which, when they had read, had read what? They had read the letter that had come down from Jerusalem. Remember that? We have gone over the contents of that letter. Now they are reading it. Uh, they rejoice for the consolation. See, and, and the consolation here uh, and the encouragement is that it put a finality to it. You finally got an answer. 
That's what I was trying to do with Philippians 4, 4 through 6, is putting some finality to the meaning of prayer. You know, we, we're, we're, uh, we go off just half-cocked on that stuff. And we, we need to get serious about um, the words that we use. All right. And Judas and Silas being prophets themselves, so there, there we, we find in verse 32 that they, they were prophets. New Testament, the apostles and the prophets were part of the foundation of the church. Um, the apostle means one that is specifically sent, and prophet means uh, one who is sent with a message. Um, it means um, one who is sent to speak. And the apostles were one sent principally having been sent. Now, they had words and they had things to do, and that's, the definition doesn't give a full meaning. But the prophet is just simply one's, one who speaks on behalf of another. What matters more than anything is who sent him. Well, here's the di- di- distinction there. Um, the, the prophets were one who were to speak what they were sent to say, whereas the apostles, what they said was self-sufficient because they had the miraculous indwelling of the Spirit of God. And that be, because they were sent by the Christ. And they were sent by. They were, they were the apostles of, of Christ. They yes. belonged to him. They were his, he's, and he sent them. They were the authority in and of themselves. And having been sent with the message, prophets were simply those who spoke in behalf of another without that credential. Um, that's, that's the primary distinction between the words. And, um, and, and so they spoke with the words, um, with many words, and confirmed the words, and confirmed probably the people, not the words in this case. That's just a suggestion. And verse 30, and we could look that up, but I don't think we need to. Verse 33, and after they had tarried there a space, they were uh, let go in peace uh, from the unity, the, 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 the solution orientation of that event. They could go in peace. The problem had been resolved. Comes from the, you know, I've talked about this before. Shalom means the resolution of an issue. The issues have been resolved so they could, be, they could leave in peace, comforted in that it had been adequately resolved. Boy, isn't that precious? They were let go in peace uh, from the brethren uh, unto the apostles. Why? Because they needed further instruction. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others. Now, there is a a general disregard in the church. You would expect it out of the church, but there's a general disregard for the word anymore as being any of value because it's of the word of the Lord. Not realizing that everything that the apostles said was from the word of the Lord. Not what Jesus said, but what the apostles said that they learned from Jesus is the word of the Lord. Know that. Now, we don't treat it that way. We think that human philosophy and all of the other things that we've been 
uh, condition with all of our life are just as valid, and we think in terms of our learning apart from what God has said, folks, you're going to have a shock system when you meet God face to face. There's going to be a real surprise because you're not going to be judged by what you think. You're going to be judged by what you think about what the Lord said through the apostles. Mm -hmm. You had better know that, and you had better know it well, and you had better be in keeping with it right to the T. I don't know where, um, how much leniency God is going to have, but you, but you had better be in tune with what God has said through the apostles because that's the criteria upon your judgment, and you have to face that when you meet God one way or the other. So, <clears throat> Paul and Barnabas in 35 uh, continued on in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So there's a lot of folks who are involved. And some days after Paul, uh, some, and some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let's go again and visit our brethren in, in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Well, there was a concern then, and I like that. Let's just go see how, how things are going. We've been gone for a while, and uh, you know what happens when the leaders leave. Uh, things tend to drift. They were aware of that. They weren't accusatory about it, but let's just go and see. Now, verse 37. We're going to finish this chapter today. Verse 37, and Barnabas because I want to start chapter 16 on a new year. And um, Mervyn Mer will be proud. Uh, yeah, Merwood and Nancy, yeah. <laughs> and, and Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. Yes. Oh, now we got a problem, see, already. And I love this, but Paul thought not good to take him with them, who had departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Now, it seems here that the crisis was between Paul and Mark is that Paul or that Mark simply didn't want to go to the work with Paul, and they had a problem with that. Let's go on. And the contention was so sharp between Barnabas and Paul that they departed asunder one from the other. Now, Paul and Barnabas loved each other, but Mark came between them. And that shows you that brethren who are in, in complete accord with the truth can have personality issues. And don't you ever forget it. That's just the facts of life. And you see, God didn't hide that under the table over here. He didn't, he didn't want you to know about that. You know, so you're going to hide it? No, it's right up there in front. Uh, and so Luke records it, that there was a real conflict between these dudes. And so I said, I'm not going to, you know, no, I, I don't want him going with me. He failed me once. I don't want to have him with me again. I can see Paul being that way. 
Paul was not a slacker, and he wasn't going to mess around with people who were slackers. And he was thinking that Mark was a slacker. So I find great encouragement in this because sometimes people in the church get at odds with one another. It's not a doctrinal, well, sometimes it is a doctrinal issue. That's a different thing. But when it's a personality issue, you've got to give it time because you'll, you'll remember that later on, Mark and Paul became the closest of buddies. They went fishing together. Uh, you ask how to be close in the same boat. Yeah, which really kind of gives some validity to what Barnabas was feeling about him. He saw something in him that he he wanted to see flourish. Yep. And it did, obviously. Oh, you, you know, and and remember Joe Vaughn? Well, he brought a message on Barnabas when he was here. And, of course, all of you can remember his four points. <laughs> but one thing that he did, one thing that he brought about, about Barnabas was always picking up someone who could be considered a loser. That's what his name means, encourager. Yeah. One to pick somebody else up, the encourager. Yeah. When somebody wasn't was in need of encouragement, why Barnabas was there to put his arm around them and to encourage them, to pick them up, to motivate them, and so this is what he did here. So, and the 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 contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other, and to and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches, and now he's talking about Paul and Silas. So from this point on, uh, from for a while now, he's dealing with Paul and Silas. Um, Mark and uh, Barnabas are going to go off the scene for a while, so we're going to be following Mark for a while, uh, I mean Paul, on this tour. So that's it. I think we'll call it quits. Father, we are thankful that we've had precious moments to be in your word, to have some things clarified, and that we will get in base with what's right and stay on base in Jesus name amen, amen. okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.